Well, good morning and welcome to our second week of Advent. And we are celebrating through this season how God shows up. That God shows up in our world. And he showed up more than 2,000 years ago. Um, he showed up in a, in a manger, in an in a old stable or cave or whatever it was, wherever he was, he showed up for us then and changed everything. And so today, he's still showing up. God has not stopped showing up. He's still here with us today. And each week, we celebrate God giving us hope, God bringing us peace, God bringing us joy, and God bringing us love. And so that's what God does today. Today, we're going to be talking about God bringing us peace. And each week, I've been asking someone to come up and share a testimony about how God has um, shown up in their life uh, here in the 20th and 21st century. And so this morning, somebody pretty precious to me is going to come up and share what God has done in his life program. He's going to share how God has brought peace. Thank you. Thank you. I decided to kick things off by kicking over my wife's water and creating uh, a major tsunami of love over there. Sorry about that. I know what you all are thinking, by the way, uh, this morning. Uh, poor Pastor Beth. She gave the microphone to her husband. <laughs> what was she thinking? <laughs> so, uh, try to make this brief. Uh, Jesus said, uh, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And that's a peace that's available to each of us in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, I'll confess that when I first... Before I became a Christian, I thought that the world was a pretty hostile place. You know, I mean, we live in a, uh, according to the scientists and the, uh, the uh, worldly philosophers, we live in a cold, dark universe that's getting colder over time, and then ultimately it's going to end up in an extinction. And, uh, you know, we are living on a rock that's basically hurtling around a star, and at any moment in time, that trap door is going to open and we're going to fall through it to our death and that's it because it's purposeless, it's meaningless and that's kind of the embodiment of the philosophy that I was struggling with as I started to, to think about Christianity. Not too encouraging, not too peaceful, it's a survival of the fittest way. And when I uh, started to consider the claims of Christ uh, back in my youth group in my teen years, uh, I became a Christian at 14 and I immediately started to experience Christ's peace in my life, but I didn't really understand fully what was going on at that point in time. I, I didn't understand the magnitude of what I'd done, um, but it was pretty significant. And over the years, through some good teaching and some painful trials, I've learned even more about it. And I just want to share for a couple minutes about uh, how that peace has impacted my life. Um, when I first became a Christian, there was an objective change in my life in terms of my relationship with God. I asked Him to come into my heart. I asked Him to forgive me. I asked Him to become Lord and Master of my life, and that transformed everything. There was an objective change. No longer was the God of the universe my enemy, but I was His friend. Amen. We were on the same team. And so all of a sudden, that hostile universe, that warlike universe that was purposeless and meaningless, all of a sudden became very purposeful. And actually, the world around me that God has created is on my side. Amen. And so no longer am I at war, I'm at peace. 
and that changes everything because you know I, I don't know if you've ever uh, watched a football game on a delay. I tend to do it that way so I can skip all the commercials. Okay, and uh, for example, yesterday Baylor played Oklahoma State University, and a lot of times if I watch it late enough, I already know who won the game. Okay, Baylor won, by the way. Little <laughs> 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 uh, but. If you don't know it at the time, and all of a sudden you get into the third quarter and the, there's a big fumble and then there's an interception and they run it back for a touchdown and then the quarterback gets hurt, and you're thinking, oh, it stinks. I can't believe. Why do I like this team, you know? Uh, but on the other hand, if I know, because I read in advance, that Baylor won the game 21-16, then in the third quarter, when everything is going wrong, I'm not thinking, oh, Baylor stinks. Instead, what I'm thinking is, how is this going to turn around? This is amazing. Right? And it's like that as Christians because we know what the end is. We know how this all is going to end. This is going to be fantastic. And you have this question about what it looks like. Go into Revelation and read that last book of the Bible and you realize we win. It's awesome. God is on fire and he loves us and he gave himself for us. And that's totally transformative. So now when I go through struggles and trials, all of a sudden I know it's going to get better. God is going to save the day and he's going to save me in that day. Well, there's an objective reality change, but then there's also that subjective peace. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I know a lot of things objectively, but when you get into the subjective experience, when you get into the day-to-day stresses of life, you know, a lot of times I'm not so peaceful, right? Sometimes I feel really anxious, sometimes I'm really kind of panicky. And I want to just share with you a little bit about how God's peace has come to me subjectively in addition to that objective reality that's out there. Um, let me just share with you a story back when I was early in my career. Um, I graduated from college, I was successful and everything, and I decided I want to go into a career in investments, okay? And so I'm going to get a job on Wall Street. Now, there's only one problem with that, um, which is that no one wanted to hire me, okay? <laughs> so I spent a year looking for a job, uh, trying to make a woman, a certain woman, fall in love with me, cash and life, so she'd spend the rest of her life with me, and that would be okay. Uh, but I realized I need to uh, get a job. So I got a job on Wall Street, finally convinced someone, I don't know how. But you know what? I didn't have any experience. I didn't know what I was doing. I had... Uh, no family members, no friends, no one who had a background in investments. Um, I had never had a job in the investment area. I had not even taken a finance course. I didn't take an accounting course. I didn't know anything. I was the essence of ignorance going on to Wall Street with some of the best and brightest minds there. And I said, I'll work it out. Okay? I'll do what I always do. I just work hard and eventually work out. So I started my, my job. And as you can imagine, I failed. I failed miserably. I, was, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have any background to do it. And I got six months out, and uh, my boss came to me and said, you know, Paul, we're putting you on probation. We're going to fire you soon if things don't turn around. And you can imagine that I, I responded as I typically do, which is I said, I'm going to work harder. So I worked harder and harder, and I worked longer and longer until I was coming home at 10 p.m. at night, 11 p.m. at night, and I was uh, coming in and getting up at 6 a.m. and doing the same thing again, and, and it wasn't working. Nothing was working. And uh, they just kept saying the same thing. I had a boss, his name was Harvey. Harvey was uh, not such a nice guy. Uh, he, uh, 
he focused on the petty things in life, and he focused on little nitpicky things. But he did say one thing which was true, which is, uh, Paul, you're not very good at this. <laughs> and so I said, well, that's really helpful. And so I've been pressing, but you know, I got painted into a corner. I could not find a way out of this whole thing. And I realized, I'm going to be let go soon. And so I had the natural reaction that I think a lot of people might have in this situation, which is I panicked. I just lost it. You know, I was just so stressed out and anxious all the time. And when that happens, you can't focus, you can't concentrate. And so I would go to work and I pretend to be busy, but I wasn't doing anything. I was walking up and down the halls, you know, like a chicken with my head cut off. I was out of control and I didn't know what to do. And one day I was walking down the hallway doing my chicken thing, okay? And all of a sudden, boom, a voice, a voice. I said, it wasn't outside me, it was inside me. But I, I knew who it was. And he said, Paul, who do you work for? Finally, I know something. Well, finally, I know something, you know? I said, I work for Harvey. And by the way, Harvey's not happy. Do you know that? <laughs> I started walking down the hallway again, and all of a sudden, boom, voice comes back in. Paul, who do you work for? I work. I work. You didn't hear me. I work for Harvey, and he's not a happy camper right now. He's going to fire me, and then I'm not going to be able to support my beautiful wife, and we're going to be on food stamps, I'm going to be homeless, and you know, I was just you know, throwing stuff out into the ether. You know, uh, you know, I was really upset. And, he, and uh, I started walking in and said, Paul, who do you work for? And all of a sudden, in the, the, the dim recesses of my small mind, a, a light popped up. I said, oh. I work for you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. That's right. I said, that's right. He said, you work for me. And you don't work for Harvey. And I said, but do you know that Harvey signs my paycheck? <laughs> yeah, I know. But don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. He said, I want you to work for me from now on. I said, well, how do you want me to work for you? And he said, I want you to get up in the morning and say, I work for the Lord Jesus, and give me your best shot. Do the best work that you possibly can. Do everything you can, and then just trust me with the Lord. I said, but Harvey, I've only been doing that. Harvey's not happy, okay? Do you understand that? And uh, he's, you know, you may be my boss, but Harvey can fire me, okay? And I said, what do I do? He says, well, you know, I'm the king of the universe. So if I want you to stay in this job, you're staying here for the rest of your life. And on the other hand, if I want you to leave, I can snap my fingers, and you're gone tomorrow, and I can find you a much better job than I want you. So can you trust me to be the boss in your life? Okay. So I get up every morning, and I say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. March confidently out to work, and at 15, I say, <laughs> And I say again, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life, and I work for you, and I work for Harvey. I'm 15. <laughs> and I did that throughout the day. Five times, ten times, fifteen times. But you know what? That became a habit. I work for you, Lord Jesus. And as I did that, the panic attack started going away. The anxiety started started to diminish significantly. And all of a sudden I realized I'm gonna make it. Yeah. God's peace is with me. And miraculously, my performance is jumping at the same time. There's something odd that when you put God first in your life then he starts to bless what you're trying to do. Amen. So that's what I just want to testify about his, his grace and his, his peace in that situation. Now, you know what? I'll confess. 
finances. I felt a lack of God's peace in many stressful situations at work and in other places. Uh, you know, Wall Street is a, is a stressed out place for most people, uh, most of the time. And so I've experienced that too. But one thing he's shown me over the years is how to handle that. And I just want to give you a couple quick tips, and then uh, I'll get off the stage for the, the main event. Uh, there needs to be a mental reframing. Uh, and that's, that's basically what I was doing with, with Harvey. Uh, I, was, I was switching from Harvey to trusting in God, putting him first and saying, okay, I'm going to work for you. That mental reframing has to happen in dealing with any anxiety situation. But secondly, there needs to be an emotional reorientation. And I think a lot of times people aren't real good at that. And I know I wasn't real good at that uh, for many years. And uh, what I discovered over time is I need to get the thoughts and the emotions that are swirling around my head at a thousand miles an hour that turn into a green goo and then gum up the works. And I need to get them outside of my mind. And the way you can do that is lots of different ways. You can write it in a journal. You can go see your therapist, whatever. I did it the, uh, the stubborn, you know, independent way, which is I spoke it out. Okay? I did it outside of my mind, and I speak it out. And I say, God, I don't know if you know this, but I'm failing, and I'm embarrassing myself, and you are not looking good in this whole process. And then I will basically vomit on the floor for anywhere between 30 seconds and 5 minutes. Uh, and then I get it out. And God said, are you done? And I said, no, I just do a little bit more. And then I say, okay, that's it. And then he says, okay, now I want you to surrender to me. I want you to lay it all down before me. Um, and the way he does it with me is he says, I want you to lie on the floor. And I'm not saying this is the way you should do it. I'm saying this is what he says to me. He says, I want you to lie on the floor, okay, and just prostrate yourself before me. I said, I don't know if you know this, but I'm at work right now. There are a lot of people that are going to be real weird here. And there's a, that's a really dirty floor, by the way. You know, do you really want me to lie down there? I said, yeah, I want you to lie down. So I let it down and I humble myself. People walk in on me and they say, oh, you're doing your back exercises again. You know? <laughs> so I said, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but that's surrender. He says, I want you to do that. And once you surrender to me, then I want you to start talking with me in a rational and kind way. Now, I was a trash talker my whole life. A trash talker is someone who talks to themselves like trash. You say, you know, Paul, you are such an idiot, you're worthless, everything you do is a failure, and I don't know why anyone would even want to talk to you again. Why would they ever trust your judgment? You know, so that's, that's what I thought that was, was humility. And I thought that that was um, having a standard of excellence and a constant refinement. But actually, that was just agreeing with Satan. Yeah. It's just buying into the lie that I'm not a child of God, that I'm not worthwhile, that I'm not worthy of dignity and respect. He said, I want you to treat yourself with dignity and respect. And so come and talk to me. But talk to yourself kindly the way you would to your best friend you care about. It. Give that kindness and that respect and talk to me and talk to yourself that way. I said, okay, I'll try to do it. And it became a habit over time. And I, I don't do that anymore. I talk with, with dignity and respect for myself. And then he said, okay, now what I want you to do is focus on me. Goes back to looking at his fourth passage, right? Rejoice in the Lord. I want you to praise me. I want you to thank you, me. I want you to focus on good things. And as I started to do all those things together, and I learned them over a period of years, so I'm giving you a lot, and you can pay me off later. But you know, if you do all those things together, then God's peace comes into your heart, and it is transformative. It absolutely will make all the difference in your life. Now, some of you out here today may be anxious. You may be 
experiencing a full-blown panic, fraud, you know, uh, and you're hiding it really well. Um, and I just want to let you know that God's peace is available to you today. Okay. And so if you're experiencing that, come forward for ministry at the end of the service and let someone come alongside you. Let them walk you through the paths of peace because you can have that peace. And I know that if you do that, if you surrender it all, if you give it up to God the way He asks, you're never, ever going to be disappointed. Amen. there's peace. When God shows up, our anxieties can be laid down. When God shows up, our sins are forgiven. We're, we're made new. When God shows up, shame is taken away. Yeah. And we can be at peace even in the midst of chaos. When God shows up, everything changes. Yeah. Amen, church? Amen. And we saw that today in Paul's testimony. We've seen that. You've seen that in your own life. We're going to see that uh, today as well. During the season of Adam, we're reminding ourselves of that. That God is showing up in our world and he shows up not just 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, but he's showing up right here today for you. He wants to speak to you today. I'm sure your heart is already stirred. I can almost just, uh, you know, sit down. What we just heard is, is what God wants to say to us, that he's here this morning to bring peace in your life, wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that over half the people who ask me for prayer are asking for peace. I mean, that's true. When people ask for prayer, they're usually asking for peace about some situation. Um, we all want peace. And, you know, we heard in the Advent reading this morning all the things in our world that are not peaceful, right? And there's, you know, there's even forest fires in North Carolina, which is weird, right? There's, there's lots of rain. There's, our world is not at peace. The environment's not at peace. The, the world is certainly not at peace with wars and so on. Our, our country's not at peace with everything going on with, with the politics and racism and, and there's poverty and there's so much that's not at peace all around us, right? It's not like it's getting any better. <laughs> Um, it's just, you know, continually going to be not at peace. And actually, that hasn't had a good impact on us personally. I was just reading some studies, and one of them, there's several now that have come out, but there was one of the economists that says that depression and anxiety and fear has risen in every age group across our country. Just everyone's elevated, has an elevated sense of anxiety, fear, panic, um, and Interestingly, there's only one age group where anxiety is dropping off. So they see all the, all the age groups is all rising, but there's only one age group where it's dropping off. Wanna know what that is? It's right before you turn 100. There's an idea, just make it to 100. I, I think maybe by that time I'm like, okay, if I got this far, I got nothing to be worried about. Like, to. Um, but all these external things then also weigh on our personal hearts and our, pers and our personal lives, and there's all kinds of things in our own lives, just normal stuff that we worry about, right? Our health, and our children, and our families, and our careers, and all of that. So peace is really hard to come by. 
And so this morning I want to talk a little bit to go, it actually kind of springs exactly off of what Paul's talked about. What are some ways that we can begin to walk in peace? Because here's the thing, I find that sometimes Christians have magical thinking when it comes to peace. And why I say that is, we, we kind of think, okay, you know, I'm all, I'm all stressed out, so just would you pray for peace for me? Here I am, just pray, pray. There's moments when we are in times of great stress or difficulty or trial or sorrowing that sometimes God does do that, that he just plops peace on us for seemingly no reason. I feel a little bit like that having come here. You know, by all means, we should, this should not have been that peaceful of a transition. Paul and I were leaving a place where we've been for 35 years. Our home, all our friends, our faith, you know, all the, uh, all the stores and our comfort, it's all, it was all there. Okay, like I was born and bred in New York. Like I've lived there my whole life. And and God said, we're going to leave all of that. We're going to take you all out of there. We're going to bring you down south to this different state and this different church and this different culture and everything. And we're going to make, of all things, Southerners. Actually, I just want to point out that this morning it was 35 degrees up in New York and it already had snow. So, just saying, it's pretty nice to be in North Carolina right now. And of course, we know that this is a confirmation of where we're supposed to be. So there's times when God will just come upon you with peace and you just think it just seems to spring out of nowhere. That's his grace, his goodness to us. He does that. But here's what's interesting. If you start to study scripture and what it has to say about peace, Actually, more often than not, it does not just come to land on you, poof, like magic. But no, instead, God's peace is actually cultivated. God's peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is the fruit of the Spirit, which means it's something that grows in us, that has to be cultivated like a fruit, like a flowering tree. You've got to cultivate the soil, and then the flower comes up. It doesn't come up right away. And so peace is one of those things that needs to be cultivated in our life by our walk with the Spirit. And uh, so I just want to talk about, very briefly, three attitudes in the Bible that will help us, and it really does dovetail with a lot of what Paul said today, that will help us to have a peaceful heart. It's three things, thinking rightly, obeying boldly, and releasing fully. Thinking rightly, obeying boldly, and releasing fully. This is how God shows up. This is how he brings peace to us. It still comes from him. He's the of peace, and so the peace comes from him to us, but we have to create a, a heart that's ready to receive the peace. Yeah. Have, you yeah. have you ever had God give you peace and it just falls right off? Mm -hmm. 
See, if we don't have a heart that's cultivated and ready for peace, then the peace doesn't stay, it doesn't land, and we can even drive it away. So let's look at these three actions. The first one, thinking rightly. I want to read from Philippians 4, 8 to 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul talked about this in his testimony, not the Apostle Paul, but Paul Graham. But Paul, the Apostle Paul is also talking about it. The Pauls all agree, so that's good. Um, that, that non-thinking is going to create anxiety. And that was where he was when he was stressing out about his job and working for Harvey and all that. You know, and it wasn't until God said, who do you work for? Let's get the thinking straight. Then suddenly that changed the peace. That changed his ability to be at peace. And, you know, changing about how you think about things will, will change everything. This is right thinking. We don't get there, there automatically. We have to train our minds. Like we talked about over and over again, training our minds to think rightly, to think about what God is really doing and who we really are in Christ. Scriptures talk about that. Um, in, in several scriptures talk about it. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds have to be renewed. We have to think differently. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Or Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. This is something we have to train our minds in the church. We've got to think right and remember what God has promised us. In fact, this is very closely linked to the list of promises I handed out last week. I don't know if all of you got those. There's more in the back if you didn't. But it's kind of this idea that when we are in a time of stress, we need to remember God's promises and think about those. Rather than think about our stress and our circumstances, we begin to think about what God has said. So if we're in a time of financial trial, we need to remember God's promises, begin to think rightly that God is our provider. Or if I am tired and weary and everything is very overwhelming, I need to think rightly and remember God's promises that if I come to Him, He will give me rest. Right? So, so there's a logic there that our brains need to be retrained. Speaking these truths to our minds in the moment. When the kids are misbehaving, when our boss is being unreasonable, when our spouse is stepping on our last remaining nerve, whatever it is, that's the moment that we need to speak the promises of God, speak the truth of God, retrain our minds. Stop believing the lies of the enemy and begin to claim the promises of God. Amen. And so I challenge you this week. In moments of anxiety and fear and lack of peace, because of course we're all going to have them. Rather than only praying for peace, I don't think it's bad to pray for peace. I think we should pray for peace. But rather than only praying for peace, would you start to pray for a renewing of your mind? Ask God, help me to start to think right now. Help me to have a renewed mind here. Help me to think on you. And what you would have me dwell on in this situation. What promise, Lord, is it that I can claim in this situation that you're going to speak through and use in my life? Amen? Amen. So we're going to do that. So the second one today, that an action that cultivates a peaceful heart, is also obeying boldly. This one's a little tough. Scripture's pretty clear that if we're walking in disobedience, we're not going to peace. 
And the scripture, a few, several, many scriptures talk about it, but Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law. So if we're not loving his law, if we're not following what God says, then we are not going to have great peace. Romans 2, 9 and 10. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. And Romans 8, 6. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. So have we ever thought about that? That when we're feeling a lack of peace and unsettledness and anxiety and fear, have we ever asked the Lord, Lord, is there a way in which I am not obeying you? Is there a way in which I am disregarding your law? If we are living in a way that is outside of God's commands, we're not going to be at peace. It's just a, it's just a, a core, it's just a, a logical truth that we're not going to be at peace when we don't live in the way that God has designed us to live in peace. Maybe some of us have taken some things into our own hands that he's told us to leave alone. Anybody relate to that? Amen. Maybe we're doing some things. We have a whole bunch of stuff on our list, and we're doing all these things. We're all stressed out. We're doing all these things, but God hasn't told us to do half of those things. Anybody relate to that? Or maybe there's some things that God's been telling you to do for a while, and you just keep putting it off and keep putting it off. Any surprise that we're not at peace? <laughs> Any of those things are going to result in a lack of peace. Amen. And I'm going to go out of a limb here and say that if we are walking in doing things that he has told us not to do, taking up things that we are not meant to do, not doing things and avoiding things that he has told us to do, we can come up during ministry time and have, have Melissa and Joy and Terry and Everett, the whole prayer team can pray for you for peace. And guess what? You're not going to get it. <laughs> And it's not their fault. They're good prayer warriors. But when we are not walking in, in obedience, we're not going to have peace. God doesn't give peace to a rebellious heart. Ouch. God doesn't give peace to a rebellious heart. That convicts me. That convicts me. How many times am I just kind of like avoiding things and then I wonder why I'm walking around stressed? I wonder why. Just like they tell you to listen to your body, right? If you get a weird pain somewhere, they say, go check it out. Make sure it's not something more serious, something that's going on inside. So in the same way, when you are without peace, when there's an anxiety and an unsettledness in your spirit, it's time to say to the Lord, what's going on? Is there something that I am avoiding you about? Is there something I'm doing that is not right? Uh, and, and, or, or is there even some place where I need some deep healing? It could be that there's wounds within that are not healed, but I'm not willing to open it up because I don't want to go there. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a different kind of disobedience, right? It's, it's not letting God into the deepest places, and so we're going to sit there still wounded, still hurting, still, still in need of deep healing, and, and there won't be peace until we get it. There won't be peace until we get it. It's a strong word, I know. But scripture speaks to that also. I love this passage from Hebrews 12, 11. It says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Amen. It's not always easy to cultivate a heart to be peaceful. Interesting, right? 
Sometimes it's painful initially to allow the Lord to speak to us and to begin to bring our life into obedience and conformity to His will and His ways, and that's when we start to walk in peace. There's training involved. To learn, to trust Him, to obey. There's that old hymn, maybe some of you know, Trust and Obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Sometimes those old hymns got it right. That's my thing this morning. The last action that cultivates a peaceful heart that we're talking about today anyway, is to release fully. But sometimes the reason we're not at peace is because we're holding on to things so tightly. We all have things like this, right, that we hold on to that just have to be a certain way. Or we just, we're just going to hate it, so we're just, it's got to work out this way, God. This could be about our children, right? We first of all are always worried that something's going to happen to them, right? But we're also, they need to turn out like this. They need to have this kind of job and this kind of spouse and follow my faith. They need to do all this stuff, God. Or it's just going to be awful. So I can hold on to that. It's got to be. Or maybe it's in our job. I've got to succeed here. I have to, I have to get a raise. I have to be the one that gets that promotion. I have to please my boss. I, I've got to, God. And so we're holding on to that. Maybe it's some expectations of others, of our families, our, our spouses, that, oh, we, we, I've got to meet this expectation. I've got to be this, this fit or this beautiful or this successful or have this much money. I've got to, Lord. And we're holding on. And there's maybe just a few of us out here who are holding on to your plans. You control people. It's got to be this way. My house has got to look a certain way. And I have to have this thing in order. Or I'm just going to lose it, God. It's got to be this way. And so we hold on. We hold on so tight. And guess what? We're filled with anxiety and fear because we can't control all those things. Peace comes. Peace comes from letting go of the cares and concerns of this world and leaving them at the feet of Jesus. That's where peace comes. Not from holding on, but letting go, leaving our children there, our jobs, our spouses, our parents, our, our possessions, our plans, our need for control and for everything to be our way. All of that, we leave it at the feet of Jesus. And I know this is easier said than done. I know it. How many of you have said, I leave, I leave it all at the feet of Jesus and then I pick it all back up again. How many said that? Right? It's like we have this moment with God, right? Okay, God, I'm going to do it. I come up, I kneel at the altar, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to give all these worries about my job, worries about my kids, whatever. You leave it at the, I'm going to leave it with you, God. I just trust you. It's going to be there. You know, I'm giving it all to you. We wake up, we, we get up, we kind of feel pretty good, and then we walk away and we go. I'll take that. I'll take This is again a practice. Just like the training of our mind. This is this is a a discipline that we begin to, to learn to lay things down, to lay it down before the Lord, to lay it down again, to lay it down again until we get used to we get tired of picking it back up. I remember um, struggling with anxiety when my kids were young. I was very worried about something happening to them. And 
um, just was constant worry. And I, I, I realized that I couldn't just pray in the beginning of the day, oh Lord, I give you my children, I'm not worry about them, blah, 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 you know, be my peace, whatever. And I couldn't just do that at the beginning of the day because it would wear out. It would wear out by about 10 a.m. You know, it was like, I, didn't last long at all. So I remember going through a period, not unlike what Paul went through with his work, where I memorized a verse, the Romans 8, 6 verse. The mind is controlled by man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. And so I, I remember memorizing that, and every single time during the day when I would get that anxiety, that little clenching in my stomach, that little fear thing, I would immediately if I go to my chair and just kneel down and be like, the mind is simple, man is dead, but the mind is controlled by the spirit is life and peace, Lord. Let me be controlled by your spirit, Lord. Give me peace, let me, I'm gonna let you control my mind up. You know, and I would just say it and then get it back up and go about my business with the kids, and then you know, another half hour later I have to do it again. <laughs> and some days it was a lot of the day. Spent a lot of the day in front of that chair. But it was a training. And it became natural and it became easier to lay them down at his feet and to release them to him. We, got, we get trained and we find peace. I want to talk just a, a little bit about Advent and Kurt, the Christmas story because Mary gives us such a beautiful example of releasing, doesn't she? I mean, here you have this poor young woman who gets this. Yeah, this visitation from the angel, terrifying, of course, right? He tells her, don't be afraid, so she's obviously afraid. And then so, you know, terrifying encounter, and then he tells her she's going to have this child. And so right in that moment, she can see that her whole life is going to be thrown into chaos. I mean, her whole life, because first of all, she's going to have an pregnancy, which she could get murdered for, she could get executed for. And if she doesn't get executed for it, she'll certainly be shunned for it. And... And her husband-to-be, her fiancé, Joseph, will certainly cancel the engagement. There's no way that they would put up with that. And, and then no one would have her after that. So she's stuck the rest of her life. She's only a young thing. And she's now her whole life just, just shot. And yet somehow in that moment, she knew the sovereignty of God. She knew that her life was in God's hands. And somehow realized that to release to God all her fears... Any concerns is the way to peace. And that she spoke these beautiful words. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Yeah. She just yeah. released it all to him. She didn't get the answers. She just released it. She didn't get the guarantees. She just released it. Jesus says whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find. It's natural for us to hold on tight to the things of this world and the things we want to be a certain way. It's natural for us not to want pain, but there's less pain if we release to Jesus, if we put it at Jesus' feet. Especially because most of those things are not in our hands. And, you know, we live in a world that we, we, we try to count on things in the world, and yet if you know, if we're people of the Bible and people of the kingdom, we realize that the world does not have the answers. Right. Right. And so we can try to believe and have security in our bank accounts or in our parents or in our spouse or our children, and yet at the end of the day, there's no guarantees. But there is one guarantee, and it's Jesus. And Jesus is our peace. Jesus is in complete control, that we can put our trust in him. We can put our trust in him. Psalm 4, 8 says this, I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, may we dwell in safety. You alone 
alone, Jesus. You alone, Jesus. I want you to say that. You alone. You alone, Jesus. You are the only one that brings peace. You alone, oh Lord, give me safety. Not my bank account. Not my parents. Not my children. You alone bring me peace. You alone, God. You alone. Love this quote from Elizabeth Elliot. Restlessness and impatience change nothing except our peace and joy. Peace does not dwell in outward things, but in the heart prepared to wait trustfully and quietly on him who has all things safely in his hands. Amen. This is when we have cultivated this heart, this heart ready to receive peace by thinking rightly, by obeying boldly, by releasing fully. That's when then God really blows it out of the water. And that's when his peace that passes all understanding begins to come. That's when it begins to come. Our peace begins and ends with Jesus. And so I want to just say a few words as I'm closing here to any of us here today who may may realize that, that we don't have peace because we haven't made peace with God. See, much of what I've been saying assumes that we have some relationship with God, that we're trying to follow Him, and then we just we stumble on some of these points. But if we, if we haven't made peace with God to begin with, then there's definitely going to be no peace. Right? When, the, when the crucial relationship in your life is not right, then nothing's right. This is true in my relationship with Paul. If we're having a little conflict or, or some kind of difference of opinion or something, it's going to be talked about. I can't live with that lack of peace. He knows this. We're going to talk it out. Because I, I just that the fact that we might be out of peace together drives me absolutely bananas. And it, it creates all kinds of anxiety in me because I need us to be at peace with one another. Well, it's the same with the creator of the universe. He loves you and he knows you. And he wants to be at peace with you. And so there's no peace for us until we come to the Prince of Peace. There's no peace for us until we come. And some of us, even this morning, maybe doing all kinds of other things to try to bring that peace. We try to substitute other things. But only Jesus is the center of our peace. Only Jesus will bring us peace. At the end of the day, only peace to be found is in the Prince of Peace. So this morning, I invite you to find Jesus. If you have never been reconciled to him, he's here to start you on a journey of peace with him. Let's stop running after all the other things to bring peace. We run after all kinds of things, right? Getting massage, going on a walk. Smoking weed. <laughs> Try all kinds of things, right? To get peace. And it doesn't work, does it? At the end of the day, it doesn't work. It doesn't work until we find it. Yes, amen. So he's calling out. I, I believe this morning he's calling out to us. He's calling out to us to, to come to him. And to know that he's the center of our peace. And then when we begin to walk with him, then he helps us to be retrained in our mind. Have a heart receptive to peace. John 16:33 says this: I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me, in Jesus, in Jesus alone. When God shows up, there's peace. So I'd like us to take a few moments right now. I'd like us to just be quiet. Maybe close your eyes for a moment. We're going to be going into communion in a few moments. 
And this is an opportunity to make peace with God. And there may be people here this morning, I, I do believe God is calling, I just have had the sense all morning that God is calling some people to start to walk with him for the first time. Maybe nobody else here knows that you've never really invited him into your life. Maybe you've been in church a long time. But this is an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I, I believe. Would you forgive me of my sins? I repent of my sins and I want to be a child of God. This is something that you can say that to him and be at peace with the Prince of Peace. Yeah. I want to give you just a few moments of quiet. And Lord, I also want to pray for us to allow God to search your heart this morning. We invite the, the band to come up while, while we're just having this moment to, to seek you, Lord. Are there some areas in our heart where we might be walking in disobedience? Where we might be doing things we're not meant to be doing? Or avoiding doing things we're meant to be doing? Should take a moment just talk with Jesus about that? Talk with Jesus how you can obey him. And all things. I truly believe this morning that some of us need to do some releasing. Sometimes it helps me just to take my hand and just release, just open them up to God. Maybe this morning it's releasing your, your family, your children, your spouse, your parents. Just releasing them before Jesus. Maybe it's your job. It's your finances or possessions. Release. Holy Spirit this morning. He wants to work. Say yes to you. Going to time of communion, I just invite you as you come forward to receive, and I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward for the communion serving. Feel free to come and kneel along the altar, sit on the, on the rug. This is the time to bring yourself forward to the Lord. Bring, you call it ministry time, but it's also response time. It's our response. Lord, I want to know you. I want to receive you. I want to release to you all these things. If you need peace this morning, I just invite you to come and receive and release those things that we're holding on to this morning.
And come on, please go ahead and take the bread at any moment that you feel you're ready to take it, but hold on to the cup and then I will see that uh, together. And then you have a gluten-free option for anyone who needs that. And then there, which the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and saying, this is my body given for you. In the same way, he took the cup of the new covenant. So this is my cup of the new covenant, poured out for forgiveness of sins. Take it, drink. Thank you, Jesus, that this represents your death on the cross for us so we can have peace. Without this, there would be no peace. And so I invite you to come forward and receive.